week number eight, the Ocho on the Talking Bear Football Podcast. Right here on WestBranch.Football. Presented by the Browns West Branch family of dealerships. The Ocho. Not ESPN, the Ocho. It's week eight. Very important week in West Branch football. So many things, so many conversations and possibilities of playoffs. Yes, we could start to talk playoffs after this week. But before that, let's talk about week seven and West Branch's 26-8 to loss. Now, if you would have asked me before the season or before last week if I thought West Branch could beat Regina, I would have said yes, but they would have had to play a very good game on both sides of the football. Defensively, it did play well enough, I think, to win that football game, Matt, but just didn't get it done offensively, and you got to give Regina a lot of credit. They're very, very physical, and they really, really showed it. Well, I think what you just said about can they beat Regina, and yes, if they play well enough on both sides of the football, uh, I think that was 100% accurate. Um and the West Branch defense, you know, despite giving up 26 points, I thought they shined in this game, to be quite honest. Um, it's inevitable that the Regal offense is going to muscle their way down the field, you know, four or five yards every play, um, you know, get hit at the line of scrimmage, but somehow still fall forward for three or four yards. That's just what they do. There's no way around it. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to be able to stop that. Um, and to be frank, I thought the Bears handled it well. Um, and I thought that they toughened up considerably, um, once they got on the other side of the 50 and really made Regina earn everything in that game. Um, yeah, of course the Regals had a couple big plays here and there, which ultimately proved to be the difference, but, um, the Bears defense forced numerous chains of possessions in the second half and gave the offense plenty of opportunities to get back into the game. And of course, ultimately that didn't happen, but, um, I just, yeah, I think in the end I was pretty impressed with the defensive effort and hey uh have to give major credit to regina for for their defense as well for holding this uh the bears offense scoreless and for you steven when you think about at this point in the season against an opponent like regina you could say hey looking at we've seen how it's gone in in the last over the last 15 years that series throw that out a very wet field on friday night after a morning morning rain but it started to slick up and gave bad footing. It was really tough to get footing for that offense for both teams as the game wore on, but the Regals sort of settled in and the bears were trying to play catch up for most of the game after the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, this West branch offense isn't built to be able to score 20 points in one quarter necessarily. We have some athletes, we have the capabilities, but we're also going to be a team that, I mean, kind of like the Iowa Hawkeyes, it's, we're looking at our defense. We're looking at grinding things out and just chewing up yards here and there. And, you know, we don't necessarily have a lot of the home run capability, um, at least on the regular basis. And so when you do fall behind and then you get onto a wet field like that, and to Matt's point, I mean, tip your cap because we tried a lot of different things. Coach Hirschman was pulling out all the stops and – Regina just showed what a very disciplined football team looks like in the fact that they stayed home, they played their assignments. I mean, a lot of the things that we've seen our defense do really well, Regina did just as well, if not a little bit better, in that game Friday night and just made it hard for our offense 
to get comfortable, you know, allow Carver the time to find a receiver down the field or, you know, allow Andy to find any of those running lanes. They just shut all of that down and made it hard for us to do anything consistently on that offensive side. So 26 to 8, the final score, Matt. How did we get there? On Regina's first offensive snap of the game, uh, goes right over uh, Tierney's head and into the end zone. There's a scramble for it, and ultimately, uh, the result of the play was ruled a safety. Um, you know, the referee right there in the end zone who had uh, the best look at it of anybody, other than maybe you, Jason Miller, standing right there too. Yeah. Uh, the the referee ruled Regina had gained possession in the end zone. Um, taking a second look. Um, not sure about that, um, as it was very clear, at least on the video, that they never gained possession. Yeah, Tierney jumped on it. It was under him, but it was still bouncing around, moving around. It flopped up and in the air at one point after that. Um, Kinnick Belk recovered the ball inbounds for what should have been a touchdown. But, you know, it is what it is, and the Bears have um, an early 2 nothing lead and, uh, you know, that momentum that, that they needed in this game. I just said, huh? Because <laughs> I never really saw anybody gain possession until Kinnick did in the end zone. But Yeah, and the fun part of that is, before we move on, is, Stephen, I listened to your call when I watched the replay, and you said you assumed from up where your view was that they called a safety because you assume when Kinnick Bell grabbed, got control of the football, that they, resumed, they said it's a safety because his feet were touching the end line. Yeah, that was my thought. Well, that seemed to be the only like logical thing. Yes, but from being where we about were twelve it. feet away. Yeah, personally, I was twelve feet away, maybe less from the play, and no one had any control of that football until Kinnick Belk had control of the football. Uh, but hey, the Bears were spotted two points right away, and that's a good thing to get points without having to do much work. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so the Bears get the ball um, after the the free kick after the safety. They fail to fail to do anything with it, and Regina takes it 80 yards right down to the field in the end zone on an 18-yard run from Levi Daniel. Two-point conversion was no good. Six to two, Regina uh, at that point. Uh, the Bears' offense uh, again punts to Regina, and um, on the Regals' first play of that resulting possession, uh, uh, Jack Tierney completes a pass to Aitchison, but Cash Woody forces a fumble uh, right after he caught it, and Drake Berry recovers it for a scoop and score touchdown. Uh, PAT was no good, so uh, Bears 8-6 to six, uh, reclaimed the lead there, still in the first quarter. Uh, and then after that, Regina scored 20 unanswered uh, with a 44-yard touchdown pass to, to Jensen, a 28-yard screenplay to Daniel, and a 29-yard touchdown rush from Daniel. And so he ended, yeah, 26-8. to eight. And the things that we thought going into this game that were going to make a difference, were going to play a role in the game, were up front, the physicality, the size of Regina really did. And because if you look at some of those plays, you got a screen pass that went for how many yards, Matt, for a touchdown? 30, 40? Which Daniel? one? Sorry. The screen? Yes. 28. 28. He also, he had a long run. He had two runs. And they had all, all kinds of time on a late developing post route when he throw a touchdown. You throw a touchdown pass down the middle from Tierney to Jensen. He had all kinds of time. That pocket was like a half moon set up. That means the blocking is pretty good. So they did their job as advertised, but West Branch gave him some fits later in the game when the field started to come around, play to everybody. Tip your hats to the Regals. They played a good game. Tip your hats to the Bears. They played a good game. 
just came up short. But there is a lot to play for, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. What were some of the, when you look at it like this, I mean, we see 26 to 8, obviously that's the key stat, starting with you, Stephen. When you look at some of the statistics that West Branch could say, we could hang our hat on that. What's something that, that stands out to you in the seventh game of the season against the best opponent that they've played this season? Some of the near misses. I mean, I said we're not necessarily you know built to be a big play type team, but you look, I mean, we hit that long screen pass to Andy Henson for a touchdown, but it was called back on a penalty. And I think we had two or three other instances where you know we were just a step away from getting some good things going. And so... You know, not even necessarily looking specific stat-wise, but just kind of the flow of the game was, you know, just kind of like we've seen throughout the course of the season of how this offense has progressed and grown and developed. And you see that even some of those things that might work against a lesser opponent, when you play a really good team like Regina, you know, that little half step on if you start with the wrong foot or you take just the wrong angle on getting your block or finding that hole or on your pass route, those little things make a difference. And if you're able to hit that correct route, then suddenly you make that block or you get that catch for a touchdown or you don't get called for a penalty and it completely changes the flow of the game. And I think we shot ourselves in the foot a couple of times, not necessarily just penalties, but just, you know, we were so close, just couldn't quite punch through. And so it's just one of those things of continuing that building, continuing that process, continuing that effort. And I mean, one of the notes that I wrote down on my drive chart where I kind of keep some game notes and see how the flow is going, you know, even when we're down 26 to eight with three minutes to go, our guys were playing hard. We were fighting out there. You know, it's not like we hung our hat and said, oh, well, this game's over. We were playing to the very end of that football game. And so, I mean, that's another thing to build your hat on is, you know what? It's 48 minutes of football. You play all 48 minutes at 120%, and nine times out of 10, good things are going to happen. I love the fact that the Bears kept fighting. You kept, no, they knew they couldn't catch up. They knew that wasn't gonna, they weren't going to get an 18-point play in three minutes, but like you said, they just kept putting it on and putting it on and fighting. And on, being on the sidelines, hearing the coaches saying, this, keep your fight up, keep your fight up. Nobody let down. Nobody let down, and it was great to just hear that for a very young football team. Reminder of that is Matt coming to you looking at the bears base offense. Eight of the 11 starters are underclassmen. So to be in a game with some of these guys haven't had very, haven't played in a game like of this magnitude before. So to be in that area, to get that feel, it bodes well as you're going forward to the playoffs in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And speaking of underclassmen, I think we mentioned him last week too, but I think this was just another game in the progression that has been for Kale Seidel. Yes. Uh, his play at corner Friday night against Regina was phenomenal. Uh, the few times that uh, he was targeted, uh, he was right there. Uh, interception, great position to knock down a pass uh, were the two ones that I remembered heading into that uh, southwest end zone, I think it is. Um, so I was just real impressed with, with Kale there. Um, in his play and his continued progression at that cornerback spot. Um, I mean, can we say like Seidel Island yet? Uh, <laughs> oh. We're getting there. We'll, we'll see. But I, I think, yeah, just that, that young nucleus that this team has, um, it's just going to, it's going to continue to pay dividends. When you look at the end of the game, 
cornerbacks, both guys playing on the island out there, what class are they? Soft sophomores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, holding holding. Look at up. look at the safeties. When you really think about it, if you take away Cash Woody, his replacement, what class are those two guys? Juniors, I believe. Both juniors. They look a lot alike too. Yeah. Uh, they're they're twins. And then you look at the linebackers. You've got one. You've got a senior and a senior, and a senior up front. Take those three away. You've got basically eight guys back on the defense as well. So good things are coming. They got a. They played a good game. Just didn't get it done Friday. But it's gonna again. It's gonna bode well as we go on. And the playoffs, I think, start in week eight. And we'll get to that in a little bit down the line here in this program. Matt, some of the stand looking at District Five, it, it besides Regina and and West Branch right now, it's a little convoluted. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and it got even more convoluted uh, with the other game <laughs> that happened Friday night: Durant beating uh, Minneapolis eighteen to seven. I mean, Durant's a good football team, but so is Minneapolis. I don't think anybody expected that one to go the way that it did. I would really love to get a copy of that game film and just kind of see the flow because I had peeked at it and Minneapolis had 400 yards of offense, 180 rushing yards from Isley, 150 yards passing, and they lose. They only score seven points with 400 yards of offense. So that must have been a special teams nightmare or something. I don't know. That's just one of those that you play the games on the field, not on the paper. Amazing. I, I, I'm going to watch that, I think, tonight, actually, now that you mention it, just just to see the the Nolan DeLong show cause you, with the stats that you mentioned for him. Uh, and then to see how the team, I, I mean this with the utmost respect, how do you have 400 and some odd yards of offense and yet only put up seven points? Must have been some turnovers or Durant just making stops at the right time. Yeah, so looking at um, the District 5 standings here heading into the final week of the season. Uh, Regina sits at the top 4-0, and um, let's see, they would, I, they've, I think mathematically have won it, correct? I guess we can, That's correct. We can talk about we that. Could te- we could technically tie, but they would still get the number one seed because they have the head-to-head with us. Right, yeah, so Regina at 4-0, West Branch 3-1, Wilton and Durant at 2-2, two and two, Meepo at 1-3, and three, and then L&M, um, I guess just, disqualified you could say uh since they have uh forfeited the rest of the season yeah they they said no moss on the season so looking at it as it is now regina yes they are at the top of the table and that is not going to change they are going to be the number one seed win lose or well you can't draw in week eight but then you look at west branch three and one and wilton and duran at two and two west branch plays wilton this week now that could have some interesting scenarios Let's go ahead and get into it. West Branch beats Wilton this week, Stephen. Where does that put them? It puts West Branch second in the district for sure. At four and one, puts Wilton at two and three. That's correct. Now Durant plays Regina. Let's just, for the sake of argument, say Durant loses to Regina. They go to two and three, correct? Yep, that's my math. Two and three, and Meepo is going to get a win by forfeit. Again, two and three. So that's Wilton, Durant, Minneapolis. At two and three, just assuming a few things that West Branch wins over Wilton, 
and Durant loses to Regina. These are just assumptions for anybody listening out there. We're not giving any bolt and board material. This is simply for the discussion of how messy the district could be. (laughs) Yes. So if, if that scenario plays out, a West Branch win and a Regina win play out, the 17 point differential, you go to a three way tie. Well, they all beat each other up. Durant beat Meepo. Meepo beat Wilton. And yeah, it's just a mess. So they go to what's called the 17 point differential. You want to try and take a stab at explaining that one, Stephen? So basically, I mean, folks may remember it kind of used to, it used to always be the 13 point differential, but they're looking at it in terms of what is your average margin of victory. So anytime you win, you get a point for the margin up to 17. So for instance, Regina on Friday night wins 26 to 8. That's an 18 point win. They get 17 points. On the flip side, West Branch loses by 18, so we lose 17 points. We don't lose the 18. If you win 42 to nothing, you get 17 points. If you win 24 to 21, you get 3. Minneapolis loses 3. So then they average that out over the course of the season and they help use that for tiebreakers. The fun part is we did some math. Now, assuming again, all those are there. Looking at the 17 point differential point totals, point totals, just looking at the five game, four games they've already played, adding up their wins and loss, the differential through, excuse me, through the first four weeks of the district. That's week four, five, six, and seven. Durant would be at 12 total. So their differential would be at a three positive. Wilton would be at a negative 15 total, meaning their differential would be at a, what's that, a negative 3.75. And Minneapolis is at a negative 14 total, one point less than Wilton. So that puts them at a negative 3.5, whatever that word. Meepo is going to get a 17 or this week. I think we can almost guarantee that given they're getting a forfeit. And I believe he gets 17 points for a forfeit. That's correct? I believe so, yes. That being the case, Meepo moves to three total points. Minus 14 plus 17. Common math, I guess, says that's three total. So we'll just look at like that. Assuming if West Branch beats Wilton, they're going to go down. They're, they're still a negative. Okay. And then you look at media or Durant, if they were to... It's just all things considered, If the biggest thing to remember here is if West Branch wins, Wilton is not going to make the playoffs. And that's that's an interesting scenario, given the team was at one point 4-0 on the football season. That's crazy to think that they won't make the playoffs at this point. That's but why you play all eight games. That's why you play the game. Sherm Edwards would love it. So all that... Mumbo-jumbo matters not right now. We'll talk about that next week. But for now, let's take a break. Hear from one of our sponsors. For over 50 years, the Fullwider Insurance Agency has provided quality insurance coverage for the West Branch area. The Fullwider Agency provides superior customer service and quality insurance solutions for you. As Trusted Choice Independent Agents, we're able to find the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, and your business. Call 643-2695 to ask for a free insurance review. The Full Wider Agency, a proud supporter of the West Branch Bears. So we hinted at it last week, Matt. We wanted to do a little over-under check-in. A little fun contest we did. Went in a contest just for fun. No, not, We're not even involving pride, are we? 
We're just, we just did it just to have some extra fun. And before the season started, Matt had a few categories. So let's talk about it. Where are we now? Well, we had one hit this week. So we can talk to that. But uh, 223 and a half points scored uh, through seven weeks. We're at 181. So in order to hit that uh, for a push, we have to score 42 and a half, uh, which can't happen. So uh, if we're if we're under 43 points this week against Wilton, um, we'll be under there, but if we're over, if we're 43 or over, then we'll, we'll be at the over on that category. So go bears. Yeah, go bears. I, I mean, that's going to be <laughs> tough to do. That's a lot of points. Um, that's a lot of points, a lot of points, but, um, not impossible. Uh, over under 127 and a half points allowed. Uh, we're sitting at 90 through seven weeks and, wow. um, so we're still 37 and a half points away. Uh, again, that's a lot of points. So um, I have the under there, so I'm feeling confident about that one, especially with the Bears' defense. I think we put a red check mark there for right now. Not green quite yet, but I think Matt, you're going to get a red check mark there. Uh, Andy Henson over under ni- 935 and a half rushing yards. He's got 872 through seven weeks, so he needs um, 60. Well, 63 and a half is the differential right now. So he needs 64 to hit that over, and I think we all had the over on that one. Steven, I'll take the over on the 63 and a half. How about you? <laughs> I'm not giving any bulletin board material. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm only saying that because if West Branch is going wants to win Friday, Andy Henson's probably going to have to have a fairly significant amount of yards. The Bears need to be successful on the ground. You know, it's just the way it is. All right, so we, as I alluded to, we had one uh, hit here, and this one you can't really, it, well, it's over under one and a half non-quarterback pass attempts, and we can't really have negative pass attempts here, so uh, this one will stay at the over. Uh, uh, we had, we so far through seven weeks have three, and two of them coming Friday against Regina. Uh, Andy Henson had one that took forever to be called an incomplete pass, even though it was obviously an incomplete pass. Timeout. I think the officials are still huddling to discuss. Is that a pass <laughs> attempt or is that a fumble? Yeah, they haven't decided yet, even though he threw the ball forward. If you haven't listened to pass. the Bearcast, you'll know my thoughts on it. <laughs> um, and then a little bit later in the game, too, Connor Rios came in. And yes, he is a quarterback, but he was not playing the position of quarterback um, in that game. So... Two non-quarterback pass attempts puts us at three, so that is the over there. Let's see, what did we... Who had what? Uh, We all had the over on that one, so congratulations to us there. And uh, over under 10.5 interceptions, um, we're at six through the seven games. So we're going to need five to hit that over, and that's that's a tall task. All three of us said over on that one then? Actually, uh, Stephen and I said the under. You said the over, Jay. You had the over in everything. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> Such an optimist. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I'm all for that. Uh, the Talk optimism about bulletin that, board material. Well, yes, that's me. All about bulletin board material. I'm guessing that the Bears don't. Uh, that Wilton doesn't have a little little Tua at quarterback <laughs> next week and throwing five picks. Reference. <laughs> Speaking of which. I'm I'm not quite certain who's going to be their quarterback. Yeah, we'll get into so that. So we'll see. 
We'll get into that. Yeah, and our last category here, over under one and a half special teams touchdowns. We're still sitting at one. Um, when did we have that one? Was it the first game? Uh, Mac Valley. Mac, Mac Valley. Valley. That's right. Opening I keep kickoff. asking that same question every week, and you guys keep it's okay. me the answer, and I never remember it. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're hoping for hoping for one uh, Friday against Willing because we all had the over in that one. And if we hit it, we're gonna play Strutter by Kiss because that's what that's that's the request of special teams coordinator Kevin Braddock. So, okay, well, that was fun. I, I It's fun <laughs> to see that I'm probably not going to do very well, but all I care is that the over-under on West Branch wins this following coming week. I'm going to put it at 0. .5, and I'm going to take the over because I hope West Branch gets to one. Senior night is what we're going to talk about on Friday. Final regular season game. It's senior night, and it's the Wilton Beavers coming to town and to play at the Little Rose Bowl, which will mark the fourth home game of the season, which pretty much quadruples the total of last year. But as we've already talked about, this game, not just for the seniors, they want to go out on a win, which quote-unquote is the right way. You want to go out of your final game of your regular season of your senior year. You want to go out with a dub. But they want to do it to solidify the second spot in the playoffs of their district, second position in this district as we move to the playoffs. And if they do that, they will earn another home game. But the Beavers, Wilton Beavers, have a lot to play for. They are win and they're in, lose, and it's up to math. And you never want to leave anything to math, guys. That's never N- much Math fun. is never wrong. It so beats the uh, just dealing with the alphabet like we used to do years mm. ago. Oh, we still deal with it. Yeah, we do for home. We do for in all the tiebreakers in the playoffs. If there is a big tiebreaker or a neutral site, the first person, the beginning of the alphabet is the tiebreak this year. That was also the tiebreak that kept West Branch in Class One A rather than Class A. If it were the end of the alphabet, West Branch would have been in Class A this year. That's a completely different discussion that matters not anymore but just to give it some perspective so wilton the beavers ryan hetzler the coach he was on butch peterson's staff in the shrine bowl a couple years ago Uh, up and coming coach got a good young very very young team we're talking about west branch being young guys wilton might be younger and their freshman and eighth grade classes that are coming up were spectacular in junior high were and, and are so they've got some bright moves coming up, but they want to win on Friday. They are young, um, but they do have some pretty good seniors that are kind of leading the way for them. Uh, especially you look, um, Jackson Hole is their running back, 205 pounds, um, just over 100 yards per contest. So, I mean, he's a big bruiser. Not quite the uh, same as Nolan DeLong, but pretty similar in terms of north-south runner. He's not going to be real shifty and dancing around. He's just going to look for contact and lower the shoulder on you. Um, you know, a couple of pretty good receivers and they got some beef up front too. That right side of their offensive line or the left side, rather um, their guard, Alex Kaufman, 5'11", 260. Their tackle Briggs Hartley, 6'5", 340. Uh, he is a big, big boy. And it's not a uh, typical, just hi, I'm a big body that takes up space. I mean, he plays tackle and he is able to move. I mean, he, is not going to just stand out there and take up space. So 
Um, it's going to be a good challenge for our both sides of the ball because, I mean, they've got some pretty good schemes that they do, you know, similar to what you saw. You see a lot of it anymore. It's that zone read scheme where the quarterback makes you stay home and it's kind of an option look, uh, but they're not afraid to throw it out as well, and they've got some pretty decent receivers too. So, um, yeah, it's a young team, but they've got some good senior leadership that's kind of paving the way for them. And, Matt, I'll flip it over to the defensive side for Wilton for you. Tyrell Hughes is a guy you're going to have to look out for. He's a junior. He's now tied, he's tied for eighth in all of Class 1A with 13 tackles for loss. He's a menace in your backfield. Yeah, he's the, he's the guy that I circled and I have watched so far very closely in film because, yeah, number 58, junior Tyrell Hughes, uh, defensive end. He kind of plays this kind of drop-down, like, stand-up linebacker, you know, three-point defensive end. He's kind of in various different uh, stances depending on the play and the down and stuff, but extremely athletic, plays with a ton of energy. He is just a fireball on the field. And, yeah, team's leading tackler, uh, all those tackles for loss, Jason, that you mentioned, four and a half sacks this season. He's got some good pass-rushing moves, um, and he just – what I really was kind of impressed – uh, about with him he does a really good job about moving laterally across the line of scrimmage so if a play goes the other way he he quickly gets across to the other side of the field to to uh, either make a tackle or make an impact on a play if 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 the 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 player were to come back inside um, or even just to, if a play strings it out to the edge he's right out there he's got the speed and ability to to catch that so um, yeah, I think he's going to be um, an important important factor for this Wilton defense, and somebody that uh, this West Branch West Branch offensive line um, and is going to have to watch out for. And you know, I think um, you know maybe like a, a Kinnick Belk at a wing, or even like a, a, a Wyatt Federland at a fullback, uh, going to have to pay pay attention to him to keep him contained and prevent him from getting out to the edge. So Andy Henson. You know, had some has some running room on the edge, or even uh, those um, throwing plays that we throw out to the throw out to the edge to prevent him, prevent Hughes from coming out and, and making a play. And one thing that stood out to me, uh, statistically speaking, and we've mentioned this young this player before a couple of weeks ago. Hopefully, his health is doing well. Is Caden Kirkman hasn't played a down in two weeks, basically. But, well, obviously not last week because they didn't have to play. But he, he was injured a couple weeks ago against Durant, and hopefully he's, he's doing a lot better. Not even not sure if he's going to play this week or not. But, he, again, he hasn't played in, in a couple weeks, and he still is the leading receiver on this football team. Six foot seven, great basketball player, and a great tar- big target for either Ormsby or... Um, Walker to throw the ball up to and looking at the West Branch D-backs if this kid is playing that is what they would call a mismatch you've got 6'6 going against West Branch's tallest is maybe 6 foot 6'3 with the afro Fletch reference in uh, Holden Arneman he's a little taller he's got a lot of hair up there that I don't have but he's 6 foot everybody's shorter going down the line so that if he plays that is a significant, significant advantage for a football team of any venture, but specifically Wilton on Friday. And he's a great athlete, as I already mentioned before. It's going to be fun. A lot on the line. 
These seniors from West Branch have a lot to play for, not just to get second in the district, but they don't want to think what happened in my last reg- my last regular season game at the Little Rose Bowl uh, twenty years from now. Like I don't want to say that I don't want you don't want to say you lost that. You want to have that great memory for your last night, your senior night in West Branch. Well, that about does it for the Beavs, the Beavers, sorry, in West Branch, and. All I say is get there early because senior night's probably going to start. The festivities will start somewhere around 6, 6, 15. I think Matt is going to do a uh, a free fall, a free base jump from the top with a parachute from the top of the uh, press box. Is that true or not? Uh, that, um, no comment. Okay. Remains to be seen. Get there or early and be surprised one way or the other. <laughs> if he doesn't do it, we're going to throw one of those old army parachute guy toys. Yeah, no, no Just guarantees. to see if it actually works. Yeah, so. no guarantees. <laughs> the Talking Bear Football Podcast is presented by Brown's West Branch. Also brought to you by Main Street Suites, EMS Detergent Services, Hodge Construction, Cornerstone Real Estate Consultants, Fidelity Bank and Trust, Full Water Insurance Agency, Touched by Power Massage Therapy, the West Branch Times, the Hoover Presidential Foundation, and Marcy Willier with Urban Acres Real Estate. Picks to click. Last week and week seven, uh, we picked them. Bears didn't win, so I guess the, we won't even get into discussing that, Matt, or are you going to bring it up anyway? Your choice. Our, the, our picks the to click? yours from last week. Oh, yeah, we still have to talk about them. Let's talk about them. Yeah, just because we lost doesn't mean we we skip out <laughs> on important segments. I'm just going to say somebody changed their pick to click this week and we lost. So. And that's, <laughs> I was trying to save Matt the agony of hearing from As Steve. As I alluded to last week, I am not superstitious. I know, I know. I'm just kidding. Uh, Steven, you had Dirk Berry, uh, scoop and score a touchdown. Yeah, that works. Jason, Cole Bailey, I mean, always a menace on uh, on defense. And I had Holden Arman, uh, but uh, of course, my secondary pick was always Wyatt Federlin. You know, kind of an unspoken pick-to-click, to be honest with you. Yeah. Jason, you're first this week. Well, I am going to say that how about it's going to be senior night that we have to select a senior this week. Does that sound fair? If that senior's name is Wyatt Federlin, then yeah. <laughs> oh, so now you're superstitious. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> no. Yeah, go ahead, Jay. Boy, I... Which senior should I choose? You know what? Why not? I am going to go with Peyton Miller. Because if we're going to hit that possibility of hitting that second touchdown on special teams he's probably going to be involved in it you can't jay oh i already chose him once yeah you did week two he was our one-timer yeah he he was was a one-timer he was a one-timer see how we forget so quickly i will choose hmm gavin hills didn't you just say cole bailey no i changed it because i'm not superstitious hmm if I wasn't superstitious, I guess I should select him then because, you know, we lost, but I'm going to select him anyway. Got to have a senior, and I'm going to go with the guy in the middle again. Number 50, Cole Bailey. Let's stick with it. Yeah, I'm taking uh, senior number 13, Cash Woody. Um, I liked 
the targets that he got Friday um, from from Carver Belk. Um, he's just a tall, athletic guy. He's doing. He's playing extremely well with his safety position. Um, I really want to see him get involved on the offense. Um, so yeah, I'm taking taking Cash Woody. I like what he's been doing this season. I guess that leaves us Stephen Grace. Uh, is that how that works? Jeez, guys, bring mm-hmm. this on me. I'm third. Mm-hmm. Oh dang. Um, I was gonna go with one of the underclassmen. I was actually thinking about it ahead of time. I was gonna go, but since we're going seniors to pay respect, um, looking at seniors, I mean, I love these guys. There's a bunch of good ones. Who am I gonna pick though? Um, first name has to know? start with a C. First name has to start with a C. Do we have any other seniors with the first name starts with a C? How about Captain Drake <laughs> Barry? <laughs> Just because I love his number, I love his motor, I love what he does. I know I picked him last week. I've picked him earlier in the year, but he's my guy. He's got a great number. Just like me, although I wasn't wearing 77, but, I mean, we both scored touchdowns at Regina in our high school careers. So I'm going to ride with him, and uh, I'll look for my underclassmen when we get to the playoffs. Ride or die. Double sevens. That I mean, that's a pretty good pick, Matt. Yeah, I, I would, I would, yeah, I would agree. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. Put a bow on it. Maybe put it under the tree for next oh, week. We haven't had one of those in a while, Jay. No, I decided. The trees, the well tree's been the pretty. Tree. The presents under the tree have been pretty sparse this year. Yeah, so <laughs> let's bring them out. We need gifts. <laughs> it's the end of the season, and we're going to start a new season. It's time to time to gift everybody the joy of a postseason game in West Branch. Hopefully with a victory on Friday. Speaking of West Branch football, how do we keep up with all things that, Stephen? Jay, before we do move on to that, I do have a question. Okay. So extending our hypotheticals that we had earlier. Sure. If West Branch were to win Friday. Yes. uh, And we get second in the district. um, What's it looking like as far as potentially who we may play and where we may play? (laughs) Uh, the following week. Okay. If we are the second seed, we will play at home. That is a guarantee. That it's we a Moline know. lock. That is a Moline lock per the Iowa High School Athletic Association postseason manual. Now, what's not a Moline lock, because logic and playoff pairings over the boys and Boone don't always, those were the word logic and playoff pairings don't always work out the way they used to. They don't have matching districts anymore. But I think this year, my opinion, my feeling, is that District 1 is going to play 2. District 3 is going to play 4. That goes straight west to east on the northern side of Iowa. And then 5, West Branch's district, is going to play 6, which is south and west. But it's a neighboring district. So that being the case, I think it's all going to shake out, as you said, assuming we'll just talk about the hypothetical West Branch victory. I think West Branch will play uh, Cardinal. Of Eldon, the the Cardinal Cardinals, no, the Cardinal Comets will be coming to West Branch for a number two versus number three seed first round. Well, I don't even know if it's the official playoffs till it gets to 16. I don't know how that works, but postseason week nine battle. I think it'll be West Branch and Cardinal. For the rest of, for the rest of the district, if you want that, my opinion, you'll say, I think you'll see Central Leon Decatur as the number four in that district traveling to Regina. I think the Durant-Mepo 
it it could go either way. One of them is going to play Sigourney. One of them, one of them is going to play um, Pella Christian. Pella Christian defeated Cardinal last week by a very wide mark, like fifty-two to eight. So they have solidified the second seed in that district. And in the event that the Bears lose, in the event that the Bears lose, they will be the three seed. That is a guarantee. Math the the points work out in West Branch's favor. Even if they lose by seventeen, they're still going to be up there in a three seed because every team that would be tied with them, they will have defeated, except for Wilton. But Wilton will only have one district. Or it, it's a long story. But Wilton will be the uh, will be the only team with two district losses, along with West Branch. And the first tiebreaker is head to head. So if Wilton beats West Branch, they'll be the two seed. West Branch will be the three seed. And then Durant and Meepo will fight it out for the four. And guess what happens there? Durant would be the four seed, and Minneapolis wouldn't even make the playoffs because of head-to-head. So those are the scenarios I think it's going to be. Regina's going to be one. West Branch, Assuming West Branch wins, well, hypothetically West Branch wins, you go Regina, West Branch, Durant, or Meepo, Durant. And then I think you go, if West Branch hypothetically loses, you go Regina, Wilton, West Branch, Durant. So that's where it's at. We'll check check my math and everything next week. You're usually pretty you're usually pretty spot on. Well <laughs> sorry, I'm tearing up. Thank you. No, yeah, but yeah. I think I think that's it. And I think in the round of it just makes it easier when you're doing half the team well, sixty percent of the teams are making the postseason now. So if you do it by this district, you're basically getting your uh, semifinalists really easily without, and you're limiting the travel time one versus two, three versus four, five, six, seven, eight. The winner of those bracket, those quadrants, so to speak, you've got, you now have four uh, teams that'll make the semifinals. And geographically, it just makes sense. Well, let's see if they decide to follow along with making sense. I'd be curious if they would say, you know, let's match it up kind of like you said for that first round for, you know, week nine. And then after we've got 16 left, let's seed it or even seed, seed the East and the West or the North and the South or however you want to do it. But Hey, that that's logical. I like it. So it won't happen. It won't. <laughs> no, because if, if it is that scenario, like they've talked about before that, Hypothetically speak, the week nine games, since this is the first time they've done this in a long time with 32 teams, you know, you get down to 16 after week nine, which was the regular playoff number. So, Stephen, that actually has, I think that holds some weight as well. But the first week, I think they'll go the rate of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then they may just do the seeding east west because that would make sense. Why would we do that? But we'll see. First, let's make sense of it. Uh, all things West Branch football because we want West Branch to be at the higher level of that playoff uh, that playoff standing. Uh, but how do we keep up with them, Stephen? I know you're going to zip right through it. I'm going to roll through it because you go to the internet and you search West Branch football, and it'll show up somewhere. That includes YouTube. We've got a channel there. Social media. Just look for at WB Bears football. Follow along. Listen in to the podcast. Whatever it is, just go at WB Bears Football. Search it on YouTube. You can find it. It's easy. The tube of you. 
Matt, does that all check out with you? I mean, you're the technical director here. Yeah, that that sounds good. Okay. You know what else sounds good? A bear win. Well, on the side note, we saw the Vikings win for you today. I don't I don't claim that as a win, but <laughs> it uh it 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 counts as a win in the in the wins. It increases the number in the wins column. Yes, it does. To closer to the playoffs now. Closer oh, to making the playoffs. playoffs. West we'll lucky to win a game. Playoffs. <laughs> well, guys, as always, it's fun to talk about it. It's fun to uh, regale tales of 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 older times and present day, and do it here to do it on the Talking Bear Football Podcast. Right here on westbranch.football. Presented by the Browns West Branch family of dealerships. And until we get the gifts to put under the tree for next week and wrap up all this regular season stuff and put a bow on it, we ask you to take care, everyone. <laughs>